Hi, Pastor John here. Thank you for joining our streaming broadcast. You've probably heard of the Gideon's ministry. They've been around for over 100 years and have managed to give away over 2 billion Bibles during that time. So today we're going to hear from our guest speaker, Tim Stevick, about the Gideon's ministry in Warrington, Virginia, Virginia and around the world. He's an engaging speaker and I'm sure you're going to enjoy what you hear and be blessed by it. We had a busy week. Kelly and I had the grandkids here, uh, and they left uh, yesterday. We had a great time. My daughter took us on a short vacation, and so the tables have turned just a little bit in the last 30 years. Uh, but in the middle of the week, uh, I heard from Bill and Alice Fleming. There are representatives here to the Gideons, and uh, they let us let me know that Tim Sevick is was available this weekend, and it was either now or sometime in October. Uh, Kelly and I are going to be gone in October, so we decided to take advantage of, of Tim's presence. Uh, Gideons are, we've had a long relationship with the Gideons for some long before I came here. We forged this relationship, and I just found out uh, the Gideons have been around since 1899. Started in uh, Wisconsin, uh, put their first Bibles out, I think, in 1903, 1905, something like that. Uh, so th their mission and, and their calling is so in tune with who we are as far as sending the word and equipping people with the word. So this is one of those relationships that we've cherished for a long time. I'd like to introduce Tim Stevitt. Amen. It does change everything, doesn't it? The Word of God can change lives, and we will hear and see more in the testimonies that I will share. The Gideons have placed and given out over two and a half billion scriptures in our 123-year history. These scripture placements are given directly to those that need them and placed in areas where people go, like hotels and motels, universities, hospitals, doctor's offices, jails and prisons, another crossroads of life. The Gideons are the oldest association of Christian business and professional men and serve as an extended arm of the church, like this church, Warrington Bible Fellowship. The Gideons were formed in 1908, and the first organized activity was to give Bibles to members to place in hotels where they stayed during their travels. This remains a vital function of the Gideons today. Since the first Bible was placed by a Gideon in a hotel room in Montana, 
Gideons have been faithfully visiting hotels and motels, working with sometimes reluctant staff to ensure that a Bible is available in each room. We have encountered resistance, and in some places we are no longer allowed to place a Bible. In other cases, we are allowed to place a Bible, but it has to share space along with the Book of Mormon or the Koran. But these Bibles, which still cost about $5 each and reach over 2,300 people in their useful life, continue to have the power to change lives. Brant Lindsay met his wife in high school. The couple had been married 19 years and had two sons, Chris and Greg, and they were happy. When Brant got a construction job working out of town, things quickly went downhill. While on a job, Brant reconnected with a former classmate from junior high. She told him that she was having some difficulties and needed somebody to talk to, so they agreed to go to dinner and have a conversation. Well, that dinner and that conversation led to Brant violating his marriage vows later that night in a hotel room. He went home and told his wife about the affair, and then he told her that he wanted a divorce. And she cried. She was crushed. She had a broken heart, and he felt so ashamed for what he had done. She told her sons what happened, and he could see the pain that it caused them. He thought he was unworthy of such a good family, and he could only see one thing to do, one way to fix things, and that was to take his life. And so he walked into his bedroom, and he took a pistol from his bedside stand. And there was a chair in the room, and he sat down, and he placed the pistol to his head. But then he thought, I can't do this with my family in the house. I need to go outside. So he put the pistol in his pocket, and he walked past his wife, and he went outside. As he made his way around the front of the house, the mailman dropped their mail in the mailbox. He saw Brent and waved, and then he pulled into the driveway. In the 15 years that they had lived there, the mailman had never done that, but he did, and he invited Brant to go to church with him the next day. Brant brushed him off, kind of thanked him and said, yeah, we might go, but the mailman pleaded with him, please, please come to church with us. So Brant thought about the gun that was in his pocket and told himself he would just do that later. Went in the house and told his wife that they were going to church. And again, she cried. She told him that she had been praying for this and praying for them because, you see, Brant was not a Christian. Prayer was not even on his mind. But the family went to church. Then they went again for the next three weeks. And on that fourth Sunday, the pastor preached on John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And when the invitation came, Brant sat frozen, white-knuckling the pew in front of him. You ever been there? Those words stayed with him as he left for another off the job the next morning. So out of town, all the workers were staying in a motel until the job was finished, and on his first night there, Brant tried to find something on television, but he couldn't settle on anything. So he went out, and he took a couple of walks, came back, turned on the television, still couldn't settle on anything. And while he was there, he heard that still small voice inside of him say, Brant, there's a Bible in the dresser drawer. Go get it. So he opens up the drawer, 
and he pulls out a Bible that had been placed by the Gideons. Now, Brant had no idea where to start reading, but he felt compelled to just pick a passage and start reading, so he flipped through the Bible, and he ended up in Luke chapter 8. It was a story where Jesus calms the storm, and he felt Jesus tell him, Brant, if I can save these disciples from this fierce storm, I can certainly save you from your sins. Yield to me. He placed the Bible on the bed. He was broken. He fell on his face on the floor. He was weeping, and he surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. Brant was rescued from his sins that night. He called his wife and told her the amazing news, and again, she cried and praised God. They told their boys. They started regularly attending church and then Sunday school. They were there every Sunday after Brant's decision. Awesome the power of Jesus to save a life. But Brant's story doesn't end there. You see, when Brant's son Greg was 17, he and his cousin BJ were led to Christ by their youth pastor. A year later, BJ was killed on Greg's 18th birthday. And eight months after BJ's death, Greg, his son, was killed on the job alongside Brant when a crane boom fell on his chest. Brant tried to pull it off, but he died underneath it. And Brant cried out to the Lord, not understanding why this would happen. The local church rallied around the family. During the darkest time in their lives, God was a tangible presence. He ministered to the family and helped them see his goodness in saving Greg and BJ before they passed. They died with Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Brant knew that God had a wonderful place for them. This knowledge fuels Brandt and his wife's ministry of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. Brandt is currently involved in a prison ministry, and he knows it is rewarding to carry the name of Jesus into jails and see inmates come to a saving faith in Christ. And Brandt says this, this, when I think about storms, I think about the passage God used to lead me to himself. He knew I would face storms in life. He knew that I needed a helper to get through them. I believe with everything in me that there is no help like the Lord Jesus. One of Brandt's favorite passages is Isaiah 41.10, which says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God had sought him and found him. God had called him and saved him. God healed him and wrapped him in his loving arms in that motel room. Brent also says this in conclusion. He says, when Greg died, I felt the same loving arms around me. I look forward to the day when I can meet my Savior face to face. He looks forward to this day because he has experienced firsthand the Savior in the storms. Brent said that he works in a prison ministry. The Gideons also have a very vibrant prison ministry. We're often able to visit jails and prisons and meet with those who are incarcerated to witness to them and give them scriptures. Sometimes we can place Bibles in common areas in the library of the prison. This ministry has been part of the Gideons since 1916. And as you can imagine, there are amazing testimonies that come from this ministry. For instance, here's one that was sent to us by an inmate named John Craner. He says, I was born in Baltimore, Maryland, 
Both my parents were heavily involved with drugs and alcohol. When I was younger, my mom took us to church, but that soon ended, and so did my parents' marriage. After they divorced, I stayed with my mom, who constantly changed jobs and boyfriends. When I, <clears throat> we were moving from home to home, I never felt grounded or secure. Maybe some of you have a same story or similar story. I remember being abused and frequently called worthless. I began smoking and drinking at age 11, and I continued abusing substances through grade school and middle school, and I was kicked out of high school my sophomore year. I left home at the age of 16. I spent the nights anywhere other than my mom's place. I ended up living in some very bad places, among the worst kinds of people. By my 21st birthday, I was in Denver, Colorado. My life was reaching the pinnacle of addiction, depression, and violence. I despised myself, and I despised any person who appeared to have a better life than I did. Consumed by so much hate and self-loathing, I would often get into fights just to feel something other than my own existence. I tried taking my life on several occasions, but it always ended in failed attempts. I was out of control. At a party one night, I shot a full clip of ammunition into the car of someone I thought had stolen from me. I was duly arrested and prosecuted for two counts of attempted murder. There I was, 21, and facing up to 72 years in prison. I had no friends, no family, and no hope. However, there in my jail cell, I saw a Bible that had been placed by a Gideon. I'd never read a Bible before. So I opened it up, and I turned to the book of Matthew, and I learned about Jesus and his love. Matthew chapter 5, I remember reading, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I had never felt comfort. I had never felt peace or true love in my life. So I prayed for the first time, and I asked God to let me taste these things before my life was over. At that moment, I felt the Father's arms wrap me up, and his love burned so hot through me that I began to weep from my very soul. I was forever changed. I vowed to follow God and his love and to give my life to him no matter what the rest of my life would bring. I was incarcerated for nine months. During that time, I went to addictions classes, continued my education, and earned my GED. I was awaiting sentencing without an attorney. I only had Jesus. By the grace of God, I was sentenced to four years of probation and released the very next day. I was a free man. After my release, I completed a year-long intensive program to aid my progress in resolving my addictions. I continued to feed my soul with the knowledge of Christ. Today, he says, I am a licensed pastor in Colorado with Teen Challenge. I am newly married. In just a few short years, my life has been transformed from one of pain and suffering to a life of joy and service to the King. I daily thank God and his unrelenting love to call out my name in that jail cell and speak truth to me through his word. His word, it has the power to change lives. The dynamic story about the power of Jesus. We Gideons receive testimonies like this often. If you're interested, you can read a whole lot more at our website, Gideons.org, and look for our blog. 
The Gideons remain focused on their ministry of providing scriptures to others. This mission has not changed in over 120 years. We do this here in Warrenton, in Fauquier County, in Virginia, in the United States, and in over 200 countries worldwide, giving scriptures out in 100 different languages. We often do this with these New Testaments. These currently cost about $1.55 to print and distribute worldwide. These pocket New Testaments are almost a universal symbol of the Gideons. In fact, many of you may have received your first scripture from a Gideon. It might look like this, maybe an orange one. My father received one when he was deployed during World War II. I received one in grade school. It's my first one. These New Testaments, though, they have a habit of showing up in some of the most unusual places. So let me share a testimony from Sandy Boyd about one that showed up in a drug dealer's car at a most critical time. Sandy was raised in Southern California with her two older sisters. Her grandmother introduced them to witchcraft at a young age. She gave them incantation books and taught them how to cast spells. They would do seances with their friends down the street, and they thought this was normal. Friends, children often practice the religion of their parents. They think that is normal, and that's what we need to do is to break the cycle, and we can do that with the Word of God. But as Sandy grew older, her dad had taken it a step further. Not only was he involved in the occult, but he also got involved in Satanism. Her dad introduced Sandy to drugs for the very first time when she was only nine years old. By the time she was 11, she was addicted to these drugs and was a willing participant in the occult activity. When Sandy turned 17 years old, she had decided to run away from home. She dropped out of school thinking there had to be a better way. She didn't know what she was searching for exactly. We know what that is, right? But she knew that she had a desire in her heart for someone to love her. She was living in California at the time, and so in pursuit of this longing, she ran away to Washington State. She was still addicted to drugs, and she, ever, she did whatever she could or had to in order to get the drugs without having to turn back to her dad, because her dad always seemed to have a way of catching up with her and had people that would look out to see where she was. Sandy ended up getting married, and she had a son. She thought that changing her identity would keep her family from finding her. She was still an addict, and she was selling herself at night while being a mother to her son during the day. She tried to keep custody of her son because he was the only person who loved her unconditionally. That lasted for about a year and a half, and then her husband filed for a divorce. After this, Sandy lived in the front seat of her car, and she had a part-time job trying to cover up her lifestyle, but the authorities caught up with her within two weeks, and she lost total custody of her son without any visitation. She lost part of her heart that day, and she began selling herself again in order to survive. She ended up in Texas. She met someone else and tried to continue to change her identity. She became pregnant and had a little girl, but her dad showed up on her front door once again, and the vicious cycle continued. Sandy was pretty much convinced at that time that there was no way out of this lifestyle. She ended up divorcing her husband, and shortly after, 
she did receive custody of her daughter. She moved in with her sister, who had just gotten out of a psychiatric hospital, because remember, her sister grew up in the same lifestyle as well. One night, though, as Sandy was in bed, she felt something nudge the bottom of her bed. She sat up and saw an eight-foot-tall hooded figure standing at the edge of her bed. He pointed to her and said, it's time. She didn't understand what that meant. After her involvement in the occult, though, she had never encountered an entity like this before, but she knew, however, this was something significant. This figure continued to say to her, it's time now for you to teach your daughter what your grandmother taught you. Sandy was not aware that her grandmother had passed three weeks prior, but she did understand at this moment that this continued cycle from her grandmother to her to her daughter was supposed to continue. She knew it was a supernatural fight, and she had to do something to protect her daughter. Mothers, you understand this need to protect your children. It was a frightening experience for her, and being desperate, she thought the only way that she could break the cycle was to take her life, because then her daughter would be adopted by a normal family who could show her a way of life that Sandy never could. She remembers going to a remote area in a field and sitting in the front seat of her car. And as she sat there, she was sobbing and she leaned her seat back. She had a blade in one hand and with the other hand, it fell to the side in between the seat and the console. And there she felt something. She picked it up. It was a New Testament from the Gideons. She got in the car from a drug dealer. She knew he wasn't a Christian. And she'd never seen this testament in the several years that she'd been driving the car. She started thumbing through the testament. She put the blade down. And when she got to the back page, she saw a sample prayer. She read the prayer aloud. At that moment, thinking about her past and sensing the pull of the Holy Spirit, she gave her life to Jesus Christ. All the way home to pick up her daughter, she kept reciting that same prayer over and over again. She figured she must have recited it 25 times. It was the only prayer she knew, but it brought her such a sense of comfort. The love that she had searched for all her life was just one prayer away. At that moment, she felt a passion in her heart for what she had never experienced. She knew that God was close. He had filled this void in her life. She went home, grabbed her little girl, and she was so excited about this change in her life. The next day, she called her former father-in-law. He was the only person that she knew who was remotely connected to Christianity. She told him the story, and he understood that she was in a spiritual battle, not a physical one, that she could win. He says, please come to Texas. I want you to be part of our fellowship. You're going to need a family of support. So the next day, he paid for their tickets to Texas, and they went and stayed with him and his wife for three years. Sandy was like a sponge absorbing God's word. She left everything behind. Her family had excommunicated her because she was serving Jesus. She knew she had to sacrifice everything, her car, her apartment, and all that she owned. She was fearful because she had no idea what to expect. But she knew that she could not return to her old lifestyle. She had the Holy Spirit living in her, her daughter in her arms, and she was ready to sacrifice everything 
for Jesus. Little did she know God was working behind the scenes this whole time, preparing a godly man for her, one familiar with helping people come out of occult backgrounds. She married him, and they now pastor a church in Garland, Texas, ministering to people who have similar backgrounds to what Sandy went through. That daughter is now 30 years old, never cast a spell in her life, and she's the worship leader at Sandy's church, and her daughter's husband is a youth pastor. Sandy is a first-generation Christian, her daughter's second generation, and she says that her children are just going to carry that on until the end of time. <clears throat> Sandy writes, if we're not for God using the Gideons International, I would not be here. It is only by grace. It's amazing testimony, amen? The Bible's place and handed out by Gideons have had a dramatic impact as we've seen in these testimonies. I was struck by a recent testimony from the Philippines. A family there named the Tika family had as an amazing story of the journey that grew out of a single New Testament given by Gideon. Let's listen. Gideon's missionaries came to Luzon and where my grandfather was situated in a town called Panay. This Gideon's English New Testament uh, came into the hands of my grandfather and my grandmother. And it was at that time that my grandfather had the, 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 the call of God to actually start a church in Tanay. All the boys in this family will become pastors. All five became pastors and missionaries. And they had three girls, one married a pastor, and all eight children of my grandfather had uh, 15 boys, including myself and my brother. And we are all full-time in ministry right now. They never thought that, that God would move in our family in a special way, that He would call us into full-time ministry. So that one Gideon's Bible was used for my grandfather to start that one church. So total of a, at least 600 churches have been planted four generations of preachers, church planners, and missionaries, and pastors, musicians, church workers. Who would ever think that one Gideon's Bible would be able to have all these fruits after all these years? Isn't that incredible? One Bible or New Testament can have a profound impact and change hundreds and thousands of lives. The story reminds me of an encounter I had with a young woman from India at the Fauquier County Fair. She told me that when she was a young girl, the Gideons were in her town passing out Bibles. Her father was a priest at the local temple, and he happened to grab one on his way as he was walking home. He didn't realize what it was at the time. And he got home, and he took the Bible, and when he started looking at it, he got really angry, and he threw it into a corner, and he says, I have no use for this. And later that night, his daughter came downstairs from her bed and picked up the book. And she started reading it and understanding what it was. And eventually, she made a profession of faith. And she shared this faith over the years with her family. And one by one, her siblings and her mother all became believers. And eventually, as the last one, her father, who had been a priest at the local temple, 
came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as his Savior. It's pretty amazing, huh? I was speaking with a young man yesterday down at Eva Walker Park. He had been in a rock band touring all over, and he was exposed to the worst of the worst, as you can imagine. And he found himself in a hospital diagnosed with paranoia. And through the ministry of the hospital chaplain and a Bible that had been placed in that hospital room by the Gideons, he found Christ, and he's been living for God ever since then and bringing up his daughter in the Word. So what do you do when you cannot get the Bible to someone who needs one? Or you want to share your faith with a person who has a different heart language than you? Well, I have these cards that point you to the Gideon Bible app. And the Gideon Bible app, you can share in over 1,800 languages. I think the last time I was here, we just broken 1,200. We're up to 1,800 languages now. And the app makes it really easy to search. You can look for the country. Just say, hey, where are you from? You say, from a country. And you can go there and find out what languages are spoken in the country. And you can share with people using this app. Several of the languages can actually, be, it can actually read the Bible to you. I do this in the morning when I walk the dogs. It's about a 30-minute walk. I just listen to the Bible. And I've listened through the Bible multiple times over the past few years. It's a great way to, to bring the Scripture into your life. It's available for both Android and Apple, and you can get it at their respective app stores. It's a convenient way for you to encourage yourself and others. You can find a passage in English, and then you can flip it to a different language and let them read uh, that same passage in their heart language. So here's where you guys get to help us. You can get this app, and you can share it with others. You can help us in our ministry by getting this app and sharing it with others and letting them know that it's available. It'd be great for people that you know that are serving others who don't speak English. Let them know about this app. Let them know that this resource is available. <clears throat> There's other unique opportunities that we have for you to share in our ministry. We have a program called the Gideon Card Program, and you have a rack downstairs that has some of these cards in there kind of look like, like this, different cards for different events. It's a way for you to recognize somebody for a life event or just to say that you're thinking of them. And inside there's an envelope and you can make a donation to the Gideons to purchase these and to purchase these. And you can let the person know that you're donating Bibles on their behalf when you send them the card. So you think, well, I never have stamps. Man, what am I going to do? Well, you go to sendtheword.org and the Gideons will mail it for you with their stamp. Or you can send an electronic card. If it's like, man, I just got to do something today, you can send an electronic card. It's a wonderful resource. We have another resource called the Lifebook. I don't know if your church has used these, but it looks like this. This is meant for the youth in your church to reach out to their peer group. It contains a summary of the Old Testament and the entire book of the Gospel of John. It has liner notes and it has answers to questions that youth may, uh, may have. Your church can get a number of these for free, and if you're interested or you want to know any more about it, you can go to lifebook.com. You, you can actually see what it looks like, and you can download one and have one uh, in a PDF format. Men, we need you. We need you as Gideons. If you're a professional or you own your own business, I'd like you to pray about that. Talk to Pastor Kavakis about it. He can send you our way, and we can explain the process for becoming a Gideon. But we do need you. Friends. We all like friends, don't we? Friends are special people to us. 
Friends can share in our lives, they can pray for us, and they can help us. Gideons are no different. We like our friends too. In fact, we like our friends so much that we've created a program called Friends of the Gideons. And you can get more information about that at where else? Friendsofthegideons.org. But this program, which is free of charge, allows you to get access to some of the materials that we have in our ministry, can teach you about evangelizing, give you access to uh, purchase these to hand out. It's a really great resource. You have been abundantly kind and gracious and supportive of our organization over the years, as Pastor Kavakis has alluded to. Church, these are dangerous times that we live in today. Pandemics, regional wars, hyper-liberalism, super-atheism, it can be oppressive. Will you join us in our mission to bring hope to a world with little hope? If you could change one life today, would you do it? As we serve as a missionary extension of your church, we count you as our co-laborers. Come and join us. Today, you can participate. You can pray for us. You can pray for our missions. You can pray for adding the members that we need to spread the word of God. You can pray for the finances that we need to print and distribute scriptures to all the countries that so desperately need them. Pastor, I want to thank you so much for allowing me to come and share today and give you an update of the work of the Gideons. Church, you've been attentive. Thank you. I invite you to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Vimeo. You can get our blog at thegideons.org. Today, today you can change a life. Today you can give hope. Today you can bring a new soul into the kingdom. Today you can make a difference. Today you can help tell someone about Jesus. My Jesus, who had the power to change the life of Brant Lindsay and bring him comfort in the midst of his storms. My Jesus, who had the power to turn around the life of John Craner, facing a life in prison and now having him work as a pastor in Teen Challenge. My Jesus, who has the power to defeat the occult and Satanism and bring hope and a new life to Sandy Boyd and her daughter. My Jesus, who has the power to bring hope to the Philippines and use the Tika family to plant over 600 churches through three generations of ministry. My Jesus. Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Cause shame's done all it's stealing. And you're desperate for some healing. Let me tell you about my Jesus. He makes a way where there ain't no way. Rises
all my guilty Who would care that much about me Let me tell you about my Jesus Oh He makes a way where there ain't no way Rises up from an empty grave Ain't no sinner that he can save Let me tell you about my Jesus His love is strong and his grace is true And the good news is I know that he can do for you What he's done for me Let me tell you about my Jesus Let my Jesus change your life Hallelujah 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 Amen Hallelujah 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 Let my Jesus change your life. Thank you, Tim. Great to have you and Tina with us. How many billion? Two and a half billion Bibles distributed, all of them with the same power that you've seen each one of these have. Is that an incredible ministry? And the great thing about it is this all boils down to right here, right now, to us. Uh, without folks like us helping them out, the Bibles don't get distributed. Uh, so they're here if you'd like to come down and talk to them. Uh, there, we also have some handouts near the doors that you can pick up. Uh, we appreciate the relationship we've had, Tim, and look forward to many more years. Rise for a second. We just bless you before we go. I want to thank everybody who tuned in. Uh, we'll be back again next week. I was supposed to do jail this this week, uh, but this was more important. So we'll be visiting jail after Deborah next week. Now may the God of peace. And the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace. Thank you so much. Pastor John back here again. If you are blessed by the service, let me ask you to do us a favor. Would you click on the like button below that little thumbs up? If you're listening on sermon audio, perhaps you can comment or even share the sermon with someone else. We'd love to hear from you. We're on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter at WBFVA. We're on the World Wide Web at WBFVA.org. Let us know if you'd like us to pray for you. If you'd like to support us financially, you can make donations through our website at WBFVA.org. Just click on Giving. You'll receive a tax-deductible receipt at the end of the year. Either way, we would love to hear from you or even have you visit us in person one Sunday. We meet at 46 Winchester Street in downtown Warrington, Virginia at 11 o'clock every Sunday morning. And now, may God bless you richly until we gather again.